Today on episode 21, how and ways to introduce your child to credit. Now, our guest today, Christina Yasaxi, will be helping us take a deep dive into credit and money. Christina has been a senior credit manager and a financial administrator for more than 20 years now. She is disrupting the credit industry by making credit less mysterious and helping people raise their scores. Without further delay, let's get right into it because I hear my little girl calling me. Dad, hurry up and turn on the music. Have you ever wondered why some people seem to have it all financially? Do well-off parents simply hand their children money? Or is there more to this wealth thing? Welcome to Raising Financial Freedom, the podcast. We are here to talk about everything you never knew to teach your children when it comes to starting their financial future. The principles behind wealth and methods that are out there to teach your child about personal financial freedom. There is no real trick to earning other than learning. We are here to discuss, teach, and grow with you. Raising Financial Freedom, the podcast, with your host and concerned parent, Eric Yard. Let us get right into today's show. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Raising Financial Freedom. Today, I have Christina Yasaxi. Christina, how you doing? Hello there. I'm doing just great. I'm how doing, are you doing just fine. Here? Why is this nation built on debt and credit, in your opinion? Well, unfortunately, one of the biggest reasons is because people are embarrassed to admit when they cannot afford something or they see a neighbor and friend affording something new, they feel like they have to move heaven and earth to also be able to get that new car, that bigger house send the kids to private school, whatever the case might be, instead of saying, you know what, this is what I can afford, this is what I'm comfortable with. It's a difficult thing. Maybe it's being an adult mm, sometimes. I, I hear you. So when starting a child is starting off, one of their first, I would say, major purchases would be their education. How does a school loan affect your credit? Absolutely. There's nothing as invaluable as education. And quite a, well, a school loan affects your credit in many ways. If you are basically doing a traditional loan to pay the school fees, you always have to have a very good credit rating for that because it's not um, a secured loan in many ways. You cannot repossess a house or such as a house or a car. So once the um, financial institution has offered the money, it is pretty difficult to get it back. So good credit comes very high on it. And if it's for a children's like grade school or junior high level of education, they also know that the individual will not be able to go out there in the workforce and earn a living or earn the money to pay them back. So leverage the um, exposure of the family's rest of the credit and ability to pay comes into play very strongly in cases wow. like this. So at what age does credit start for a child or a young adult? Credit starts when, depending on many states, and I don't want to get myself in trouble, but it's when you get the, the age usually around 18. As I said, there are many states and there could be variations, so it's always good to check which state you are residing at the point in time you're applying for credit. But let's pick on 18. It's the easiest one, the most common one. It is the time that you can start 
requesting and getting credit, which is you become basically an independent individual in a financial okay. way. So before that, how can a parent start their child off in credit even before? Oh, that's fairly easy, depending on the parent's circumstances. Of course, we are many people with many different lives and financial environments. But assuming it's mommy, daddy, two kids and a dog environment, just for guessing. The best thing to do is start, and I'm going to visit that subject matter in a later stage. But let's say you have a 12-year-old, okay, that they know what life is. They have some decision-making skills. If you've been parenting and suffering through all the ordeals, they're becoming a young adult. They're on their way. One of the nice things you can suggest is going to your local fiduciary institution, such as a bank or credit union. And I'd like to stop here and emphasize the um, convenience and the empowerment of credit unions, because their business is not to make profit, but to basically help their members. It's a membership. But putting that again aside, which is a subject into itself, help the child make them earn some money, save some money, and go together on a nice Saturday morning, perhaps on your way to the mall, and start opening an account. And basically, that they would be only be able to withdraw with your signature, of course, if they're 12 years old, doesn't count, but it'd be under their name, both parents or one parent, whatever, or guardian. And they would have the authority to remove money from that account only with the obviously um, responsible adult. But you could also teach them that every Saturday morning when you're on your way to the mall or whatever, you go in there and let's say you did some garden work, babysitting, whatever, and you made $10, $20, that maybe you could take $5 out of that and actually put it in your savings account. And that really starts growing and it's up being fun and work with it. Show them the fun you can have when you save this money and start painting a character. So by the time they're 18 or whatever, they already have established bank account. And then it's time for them to get a credit card via perhaps their parents co-signing. But they already have a bank account to pay from. And that's the way to start teaching them to be responsible. Work with money. Learn with money. If you go and buy something that you cannot afford it and your bank account shows zero, it's pretty painful even at 12 years old. Work with them. Don't dictate, but work. So what accounts would help a young adult build credit? Bank accounts on themselves, they used to be reported a long time ago. They kind of stopped doing that. But it gives you a um, stepping stone to a financial institution that if you have enough savings in there, you can also get a secured card. Let's say you were super duper, very responsible from 12 to 18. You made up a little nest egg of $5,000 savings, okay? Your credit union particularly would be very eager to help you get a secured credit card with your 5000 You don't have to use the whole 5000 but you can say, you know what? I want to secure a credit card for $1,000, okay? And depending on the credit union, you might get one, but that would start you as an independent young adult with your own mm. credit profile. There are also other institutions that specialize in secured cards, but their interest rates and so on tend to be higher than your credit union. That's why I went down that route because the credit union is not there to make money, profit, slash. It's there to help their membership. 
So if you already show your own independent financial bank account, they very easily could give you a secured card for a portion of that amount, and that would help you start establishing your own credit profile. So in another or say a year or two, or whatever, you're on your way to college and whatever, you no longer are in danger of being asked on those dangerous college credit cards with very high interest rates, but you have your own already bank account and you have your already your credit card. You're already a standalone individual. You don't have to go to your parents to ask for wow. anything. And that's where the parents came long time ago. When they right. guided them. What credit score does the young child start off with? There is no credit score when you start with. You have to have mm. information. You have to have information to create credit score. Those are many uh, big subject matters that I'm going to very, very oversimplify. But it usually starts that if you're alive, you have a name and address, you're standing around 400 points, 420 points in the score. Remember, there are many different kinds of scoring products out there. And many different also regions, demographics, a lot of things affect a lot of things. But the fact that you are John Smith, Mary Jane, living at 123 Anywhere Street, and you're out there, you probably start with a score with 385, 400, which is nothing. Credit history and credit score is built on your credit history. So if you don't have any credit, You could be the president of the United States. They'll still have nothing to report on you. Therefore, you don't have a score. That is why it is so important to build a credit bureau, a credit file, and build it the right way to get the right right score. In your opinion, is it worse to have no credit or to have bad credit? Quite frankly, it's worse to have bad credit because it really um, shows, and I hate to say this out loud, that the old lender previous lender said, you know what, this person did not abide by their contractual agreement. Now, we all know life can throw some curves. Look at a pandemic. Who would have thought we would have been going through this in our life? But it shows that you are a person who made a promise and did not move heaven and earth to stand by your word. So it's a little worse, but not having credit can be remedied within six months to a year, depending on it. And or there's another way of remedying is which is with a cosigner. In other words, anybody that you really trust and they trust you, because remember, it's it's a more solid than a marriage in a legal sense, believe it or not. And if you are put on a credit card that somebody's had for 10 years and you're coming in as a cosigner, which means that you will get all the rights pleasures, points, whatever of that card, but you would also inherit all the responsibility of payment, then you would suddenly have a 10-year-old card reporting on your credit file and obviously get a score reflecting. So a parent could put their child, a parent who has good credit, can essentially put their child on to one of their good cards and help out the child in that way. Yes, and a lot of parents do that when they send their young young adolescents at that stage with a card that they co-sign and they might even intend to pay, okay? Just to make sure that the child does not make the wrong decision, they would go to their own whichever financial institution and say, you know what, I want a $5,000 card for my, my daughter, my son, whatever, and they would get the 
statements themselves in the mail, electronically, whatever, and monitor the payments. Meanwhile, that information that, let's say, it's a successful parent with no challenges in monthly payments, then that credit history is building. So when should a parent remove the child from off? When they feel they're ready or when their child is doing things that they cannot meet. Just to be a bit ridiculous, let's say you give a child a $5,000 limit card, okay, or whatever. Although these things have more details, but let's take $5,000. And you realize that your child is basically spending that every billing cycle of 30 to 45 days. And you may not be somebody that, you know, is in that circumstances financially, or ready to spend that much each month. If I say $5,000 pocket money, it's a little much. You're supposed to be in the classroom suffering, learning, you know, not partying all the time. So you can uh, basically take them off again. You have to appreciate in things in credit, though, move slowly. When you say, gee, you can take them off and close the account or whatever, it takes 30 days, 45 days or whatever. So don't think just because you just picked up the phone and made a request, it's going to happen on the spot. Even when they say it's being happening on the spot with computers and so on, give it some, some fluidity. How fast can a child build their credit? Well, in a case like that, and as I said, there's uh, two ways of cope. People could buy credit trade lines. That recently was deemed illegal by the federal government. But you can obviously uh, get anybody's credit card. Let's say you and I were professionals. We just met. And you say, you know what, Christina, I, I trust you. Okay. And here's my XYZ credit card with $10,000 limit. And yes, I will put you on as a co-signer, but I'm responsible now. Let's say next month you go and buy a, I don't know, a a nice uh, boat or whatever, and you put it on that credit card. And if you don't pay it, that negative information will be reflecting on my credit file as well and yours. So I would have no choice that instead of incurring negative credit information, I would be paying at least the minimum on that car on that card, sorry, so that I don't incur negative information. But if you are obviously somebody close, a parent, a a spouse, sibling, whatever, and you trust each other. Now, it's hard to say this because the Achilles heel of this problem usually is that the creditor itself would not make a lot of noise if you miss one or two (laughs) monthly payments, they will start making nasty noises on the third month. But meanwhile, that negative information is piling up on both individuals' Mm. credit file. Okay? Because they don't care. Remember, you're paying interest and penalties on whatever the regulations on that particular credit card is. Okay? They they don't care if you miss. I mean, you're hurting yourself. You're paying more interest. You're getting the penalty. You're getting a late payment on your credit file. So in other words, next time you go, next week you go, to look for a car, your credit file is going to show that you recently were unable to pay your credit card. How, what do you think is going to happen to your loan rate for the car? Go sky high. You got it. So many times people think that they got away with something. They actually, the only person that hurt they're hurting is themselves. And that's what I find. I spent a lot of time cultivating my clients, teaching them. So just because you got the credit doesn't mean that you outsmarted them. You're just putting yourself in a position that you're giving away more of your money to individuals that won't even thank you. Christina, in your opinion, what is the biggest challenge for a young adult to overcome when they first starting using credit? Oh, the biggest thing is temptation. In our 
lifestyle in North America, you're going to, I mean, my God, you go to buy gas and you're going to pay for your gas. Let's say you didn't pay it at the pump machine and you go indoors to pay for it. How many temptations are there on your way to that cash register? There's food, there's pizza, there are crunchies, gift cards, ice cream, you name it. You can spend a hundred dollars, you know, on goodies on your way to pay for your gas bill. It is temptation. And that's why I have a little record of how to teach uh, young adults. And I'm talking about starting from the age of three, how to be able to control the urge. We all have it. Nobody can say, oh my God, yes, I'm strong. Oh no, I don't get tempted when I get to the, to pay for something. It's there. It's only being human. Do not, you know, beat yourself up, but train your brain to get around it and control it. Okay. I came here to buy, you know, $50 worth of gas. I'm going to pay for the gas and get out of here. I know that the store across the street has a cheaper ice cream, same brand. And for that, you have to be trained, ushered, helped, supported by your elders, your guardians, uncles, parents, whatever, how to say, you know what? I'm not going to let you outsmart me. I'm going to outsmart you. I'm going to control my very human urge of grabbing the first shiny packet. And we all been three years old and we saw that nice you know, packet of jelly bellies or whatever. And it was nice. And we had a tantrum and your parents couldn't do anything in front of strangers and they had to get it for you. You have to break that. That is the worst thing that you can do to yourself and so you to your think, children. So you're saying at an early age, you should control your child's temptation. Yes, but package it in a way that if you're going to be working with a three-year-old, having a chat doesn't work much. I've seen that and I'm like, he's three years old, okay? You lost him by the third word in your sentence. He's not getting it. He's just looking at that shiny little packet at the counter and he's, oh my, my, you know, shut up and get it for me. So you have to create a situation like when you take them to the Play Store and so on, start teaching them actual money. Even if you want to start with Monopoly money, like a, a bill, a dollar bill or $5 bill, and teach them that if you buy the licorice, you just wasted $2 of your money. That starts sinking in. It's not going to happen overnight, but it's going to have value because you have... I've, I've tried also this, which you're going to die laughing. It's the old um, chocolate coins with their like a gold oh, foil on them shiny you want to get a three-year-old's attention and it's chocolate in it how much fun can it be and you say you give them five of these and if you want to have this you're going to give back let's say one i mean keep it gentle okay it's a baby so you know what if you want this at the store you're going to have to give me one of these shiny gold coins and you'll see they're starting to think by the second third time you do that they start thinking because they're giving up on shiny and they're giving up on chocolate i never thought of it that way that's that's very good those gold coins yeah well, you know what? Paper doesn't work. I mean, like at three years old, it's like right. a dollar bill. It's not pretty. Right. You have to do it, think at their level and not hurt their feelings. Don't make them cry. But if you give them five and don't overdo the chocolate, obviously, depending on or anything that the child is not allergic to, I would like to add to it. Make sure that they're not allergic to chocolate or milk chocolate, whatever. But those really right. work. And they resemble coins. You got it. It resembles right. money in a way. Because when, you be, when you're dealing with from three to six, I kind of age group them that way. At three, you have to be patient and meet them at their level. You cannot really have a discussion, a dialogue. They just cannot have the long-term stop and think attitude. But you start showing them that if you want this, you'll have to give up on this. And that's the cornerstone. So in your opinion, 
when should you introduce the first concept of credit? I would say when it comes to credit, you can start discussing it when they're around nine years old. Just around them, because remember, they're also absorbing the family dynamics. I'm not saying sit down at the dinner table and discuss your credit score, but they see things around them, okay? So you always have to say terms like, oh my gosh, my XYZ credit card is due on Friday the 15th. I better make sure that I make my payment if I'm doing this online by Monday the 10th, because it might take up to five days for the funds to transfer through the system and pay out my account. Those are the things that they absorb at a subconscious level. At nine years old, it starts making sense. But you really, as I said before, between nine and 12, and if you guide them into doing odd jobs and making their own little budget, even if you're giving them a, a pocket money, whatever you want to call them, just make sure that they don't take that $20 or whatever and dash out and buy the first thing that they're, it catches their eye. Teach them that from that $20, $5, we're going to take them, put it in the bank. We are going to establish the value of money because you cannot have good credit history if you are not in control of the value of money. You will never make enough to be able to pay your credit card. You will never be able to control the situation, appreciate how expensive it is, to borrow money. Hey, I just want to remind everyone that we have the question of the month still going on, and this is your chance to be on and be part of the show. Just go to RaisinFinancialFreedom.com, go to the contact page, scroll down to the bottom, and you should see the question and a sample answer. Just press record to start answering the question. Now, everyone who answers the question will be automatically entered into a contest for a $25 Amazon gift card. Most people use credit. In your opinion, Christina, why is this not taught in schools? It is a heartbreak. It truly is. Because I might be a little biased and do not, please, accountants and lawyers, don't take this badly. But most of us humble mortals, we may not need an accountant. We may not be the lawyer unless we're buying a house or whatever but you need a credit consultant because we are people who spend our days keeping up with all the changes, informations, knowledge, and whatever. It is not taught out there. None of us, we get basic bookkeeping in school. You get accounting in school, depending which school system you're in. And the law and the lawyer, yes, it is important in many factors, but unless you're somebody of some financial circumstances, you don't need a lawyer, but you need a credit consultant. And it is not taught out there. There's a lot of information out there, but just reading it, it's one thing. Implementing is another. And do you really have the time to start a whole new profession? And that's unfortunately what you have to do in real life in North America. Without credit, you're a nobody. I've, I hate to say it, but there's a certain television show, very famous television show, that uh, Munch used to say, and I checked their credit file. You could have the first thing the police do, and I myself have been actually invited by certain law enforcement agencies when they were venting people for positions at a um, casino. Obviously, they were hiring 4,500 people, and not everybody was going to be in a full police investigation, but even the person who was going to pick up the garbage had to pass police standards. And the first thing they did was check that person's credit file. So it's not only borrowing money that it's important, it will make an immediate impact on your ability 
to be hired for many now, positions. You mentioned credit consultant. So when should you start getting involved with a credit consultant? Should you start when you're in problems or to be preventative? Frankly, I personally like to say long before you're in trouble because I call myself a credit management coach because I'm coaching you. I cannot obviously physically stop you from signing a document, although I can guide you because you really should have an overall plan of how am I going to approach my credit life? How am I going to use this to my own empowerment versus the financial in company, the bank, whatever, their empowerment? Because they have all the, it's like playing cards and they have all the cards and you're like guessing. No, I take the guessing game away. I package your present situation. If you got a problem, we're going to address it. But I'm also going to teach you not to get back to having this problem. If you don't know what you did wrong, you're going to keep doing the same mistake. And the great thing about credit is that once you do rules and you have somebody holding your hand, you'll never have bad credit again. You can control it. It will go away. It will be get cleaned up in time. And if you don't make the same mistakes, you'll have perfect credit. A person who had terrible credit five years ago, by the time they've finished working with someone like me, they would have a credit file that you would be proud of. Okay. I'm a young adult and I'm leaving the nest and now I'm looking to make maybe a car purchase or even maybe a home. Maybe I got married already. When should a young adult see a consultant, a credit consultant? As soon as early as possible. Let's say let's let's pick on the age 18. As I said, it depends on the state and all that. By 18, you're pretty much grown up. You're making decisions right, wrong and different. We never become too smart in life. But it's at the beginning. Where are you heading? Are you, for example, a young person who just uh, just about finished college and you wish to have your own business? You're going to start an organic bakery in the neighborhood. For that, you need to borrow. <clears throat> Excuse me. You need to borrow. And for that, you need to basically have a good credit file. In a case like that, unless your parents are going to front you for a million dollars, which some people have, that luck. Most of us don't. Your credit file is important. So by age of 22, 23, if you have been working on your credit file since you were 12 and 18 and so on, you have a clean personal file. Now, I'm there I'm going to teach you that as soon as that loan is done or part of whatever, to start your business credit file. We wish to separate you from your business life to your personal life as much as possible. Because should something go wrong with the business, we don't want your personal life, such as your personal home, your residence, your personal car, be under threat from creditors if the business fails. And I'm oversimplifying something. The biggest mistake startup young people or older people as well, they fail, got a house, now the bank is going to give me money. But you're jeopardizing your home if the business doesn't mm. succeed. So you would, you would lose the business, you would lose your home. I teach those things. And each individual, it's a progression. I have to see where you are, where you're going. If you say, geez, I got a job with NASA and I'm going to make $300,000 a year, it's a different environment. It all depends where you want to go or where I can show you that you can do this, this, and this. Which is your path? What do you want to do? And I'm not going to dictate what you want to do, but I'm going to tell you what can be done legally right. and ethically. Wow. And I, I never considered a credit consultant or even heard of a credit consultant until you spouted those first words right now. 
Well, unfortunately, that's the thing. This that's why rich people get richer. They know this, and they use credit to their empowerment because there is such a good thing as borrowing wisely and making money from the money you borrow. Those are more uh, sophisticated environments, but let's say you can borrow at three percent and you can do an investment and make seven percent of it, right. of it. Then, of course, you use credit to your profit. And that's why wow. people get richer. So with all that's going on, let's do a little current events. With all that's going on right now, what is the state of credit right now? It's crazy. It's going to ricochet. I mean, we're basically in a very floating situation because jobs are not secure, lockdowns and so on. A lot of people are going on credit to meet their bills. A lot of people, of course, are not spending much on entertainment. So they actually are able to pay their bills. There are many sections. But unfortunately, with the new, the elections, the pandemic, it's a very flowy situation. I see it as people who had the ability to have some serious savings. It could be a profitable time on real estate. But people who were basically living from, I hate to say the word paycheck to paycheck, if you go two months without an income, you're in trouble. They are gone. Their credit is being affected very seriously because they have been covering their bills with credit. And that's going to be expensive if they're unable to get a job right away and basically hyperpay on those credit cards. In your opinion, with what's going on right now, how should a person or a young adult tread when it comes to credit? It's good to have credit and it's good to use it because you have to show to the next lender that you are responsible, that you make your payments on time, that you don't pay whenever you feel like it, just moderate. If you can use credit cards and pay off the balance every month, great. That cannot be everybody. But also you can do is contact your financial institution and try to negotiate the interest rate. Oh, you could do? Absolutely. This is one of the things that I teach my clients, okay? Let's say if you're at, I don't know, I'm going to pick a number now, 19.99, and make a phone call. Say, I wish there's, there are many institutions that instead of you not paying, they would rather take a three points off and put you at 15.99% or whatever and get paid. And you're saying, they're saying, no, I'm not changing the interest rate. And you're saying, guess what, buddy? I can pay. Or you can negotiate a six-month grace period. There are many programs out there. You can negotiate a six-month grace period of saying, either can you please give me a break for six months or can I pay, say, 50% of what it's due. As long as you contact them and try to negotiate and come to a mutual agreement countersigned by both parties, you have a lot of flexibility. Just don't hide because they'll, they're going to basically damage your file for the rest of six, seven years. It's the truth. There's nothing I can repair if you didn't pay somebody. What, what are you going to say? I just see I didn't have the money. I didn't pay. And they're going to say, that's exactly what we are reporting. But if you say, you know what, Mr. Bank XYZ, what's happening? Can I have six months grace? Three months grace. You don't know. A lot that can happen, hopefully with a new president and all that. You always have to face up. And if you have a hard time, I'll take over. <laughs> I hear that. Christine, you seem very passionate about credit. When did you first have this passion come to life? Unfortunately, I was one of those people that suddenly in certain time of my life, after being in a job for many years, things happened. My mother fell literally dead to the world on the street, etc., etc. And I suddenly went from 
uh, a very comfortable situation in my life to suddenly being the adult that I had to take care of a parent. I had to face up to life's hard decisions and I was not prepared. I was in the seat of the people that I just said that you cannot meet the payment. You're having a hard time. I've been on that chair. I understand that it's not because you went on a drinking bench every other day that you are in financial or credit trouble. And I listen to my people and I like to help. And I started the job, the training at Equifax itself. And I've heard many stories of good people hitting a bad wall because life happens. And you have to give people that credit. Now, you also have to be as a client, be able to say, you know what? Something happened. I made the wrong decision or life happens. How can I take steps to prevent this? And I help you there. I've been there. I've had the pain. I've done the work. Christina, what is the best piece of advice you can give a parent when they start in their child off in credit? It is the one of the other, like obviously your child's safety and security in the neighborhood and safety in the vehicle. I would say start discussing, mentioning and on the floor, on dinner table, in front of the TV, whatever. Discuss money, the value of money, the power that money has over your life may not be pretty. I know people believe in faith and so on, and I fully respect that. But unfortunately, with the minute you leave that front door, teach them the power that money has on happiness. Unfortunate, but true. Learn. Teach them. Make it fun. Do not preach. Because nobody likes to be preached at if you're four or 40. But teaching them through your own example, teaching them the the power of money in our society and how to learn and use it to your own benefit and for your loved one's benefit. But don't hide it. Christina, I want to thank you. This was, you touched on so many points that you left the parent with a lot to retain and also a lot to take back to their children. I want to thank you for coming out to the show today. Tell the listeners where they can find you where they can get in touch with you. I would love to, and thank you very much for inviting me over. My website is called creditachievers.today. And we are, as I said before, a credit management coaching firm. We deal with both customers, such as consumers, the average person, and small business. We do very confidential conversations and discuss what your aims are and what you think your problems or your wish list is. And they can reach us also at area code 307-224-6777. We pride ourselves on a one-on-one individual person, human to human, listening to your problems and your wishes. This is not an 800 number that you're going to be talking to somebody different every time. We pride in our cultural attitude that you're a person, you're a name. You have a life, and we think that is very important to give you that very individual. Thank you very much, and have a great day. Given my own personal thoughts of that conversation that I just had with Christina, at some point in time, which is comfortable to you, you should introduce your child to credit. This is to make sure that they're just not blind to the fact of what credit is. 
it's totally up to you when uh, and where this conversation happens, but make sure that this conversation about credit definitely happens with your child. Now, another point I've taken out of our conversation is that if so needed, get yourself a credit counselor. Just like if you need an accountant or a financial planner or someone to do your taxes, get yourself a credit counselor if you feel so needed. This country is built on debt and having someone to guide you through that can't hurt. So as always, I would like you to share with other parents. And now we are doing a new thing now where we are putting a share link in the show notes. So now you can find a share link in the show notes and you can use it in a group text, on your social, email, whatever. But there will be a share link in the show notes for you to find easily. Just copy and paste. So until next time, stay safe. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of Raising Financial Freedom, the podcast. Stay connected with us directly through RaisingFinancialFreedom.com. You can also join the discussion on social media, which you can also find links on our website. If you would like to speak with us, please send us an email through info at RaisingFinancialFreedom.com. And as always, thank you for pushing your mindset towards a better reality. This concludes the most thought-provoking portion of your day. Don't forget to please like and subscribe to stay fully up to date. Until next time, be kind to yourself and each other.